Today we begin a two-part series on the life of Jeffrey Dahmer. In part one, we'll take a look at his upbringing, including his time growing up in Bath, Ohio, a mere few miles from where we are sitting right now. During his teens, Dahmer discovered that he was gay, but his real turn-on was dominance, especially over an unconscious body. We'll take a look at his early crimes and discuss how his fantasies became a reality in the most brutal of ways. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, stick around to hear about the peck of pickled peckers Jeffrey Dahmer picked. This is Necronomapod. The first uh, killing is not planned. I was uh, coming back from the shopping mall back in 78. I had had uh, fantasies about picking up a, a hitchhiker and uh, taking him back to the house and uh, having complete control and dominance over him. No one, no one had a clue as to what was happening for, for over a decade. When I moved to Milwaukee in 81, uh, I started reading pornography, going to the bookstores. Eventually that led to uh, frequenting the gay bars. And then I, one time I brought this uh, young man back to the hotel room, the Ambassador Hotel. All right, guys, you hear this? What was that? Cheers to you two. 100 episodes. Oh, congrats. Congrats yeah. to you. And Ian, congratulations. Your little brainchild. 100 episodes. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Did you ever think? Uh, nope. Uh, not even somewhat. I thought maybe 10 episodes at best. I know Mike had zero confidence that this was going Very on. Very little confidence. <laughs> if you would ever, he still does. If you would have ever heard the episode that Ian and I did, just the two of us, you would think the same thing. Oh, I did hear it, and that's exactly <laughs> what I told you. Yeah, these pallies ain't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your, all your confidence. In no, me. I'm Well, And then Dave's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go save this ship, and I'm going to go join the show, and we're going to make it something. <laughs> I just make constructive comments. Like, and he all. writes us off every year, Ian, as charity work. <laughs> Yeah. Being on this show. <laughs> not not accurate in least. <laughs> so we made it a hundred episodes. And for those of you that aren't patrons, you don't you didn't know what we were covering for the hundredth episode. Those of you who are patrons, I think Ian got drunk and spoiled it about sixty-five times <laughs> over the course of the last year and a half, <laughs> giving away his teasers as to what we're covering. This was planned going way back as the hundredth episode. Almost at least a year ago. Oh, yeah. I remember, Ian, maybe spring of last year. when We were like 15 episodes in, and I'm thinking, yeah, right, we get into 100 episodes. <laughs> um, that he's like, yeah, I think August of next year, we're going to you know, yep. do 100 and get to Jeffrey Dahmer. I was like, oh, we'll be canceled before then. So you also thought that <laughs> when you said you'd get a tattoo on our 500th episode, and that's going to come up uh, someday, pal. We're already 20% there. <laughs> He's like, that'll never come. I'll make it 500. I'm, I'm going to have, free. I'm going to have uh, someone design it for me and get something badass uh, Necronomapod tattoo. All right. Yeah. So anyways, here we are. Jeffrey Dahmer. I, I was, do- I was looking at some of these Polaroids of Dahmer's. Maybe you should get one of those as a tattoo on your back. <laughs> I will never. <laughs> and I will say that we are probably not going to get away with posting any of that. So if you want to see any oh. of that, uh, Google it yourself. I think it's pretty easy to come by, but, um, Viewer beware. Careful what you click. Speaking of uh, easy to come by, I was... Uh, Are we ha- talking about Casey Anthony now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just making an empty joke. I got oh. nothing. <laughs> I thought you had something. I was like, oh, he's kind of upstaging me with my opening conversation because I actually have something. I got nothing. All right, I got something. Uh, Ian, I'm going to throw to you first. All right. This is a two-part question. We're 100 episodes into this thing. 
Mm-hmm. If you could redo one episode that we've done, what would it be? Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Interesting. I was not expecting that answer. Yeah, I would like to. We did two parts on them, right? No, just one part. Did we? Oh, so you'd like yeah, to make I'd... it f- like four parts? Yeah, I would like to do like a real deep dive into it, like how I've you know what I've started to do after. I don't know. I don't know when I started getting more thorough with outlines. That was an early one. Yeah. yeah, that was like number eight or nine something. I believe it was February of 2019 because I believe we released the episode on the day of the Daytona 500. That was real early then. God yeah. damn. Yeah. It was like within the first six weeks. Hmm. Interesting. I thought for, well, I'll wait till the end. Um, all right, Ian, uh, next question. So Heaven's Gate, you want to redo. You can't say the same show. If you can erase, eliminate one topic that we've covered, erase it from our history books and our archives, what would you pick? It's mm, a tough one. Let me and then, Dave, they're, they're coming to you next. So Does he have to disavow the whole episode then, huh? And kind of just say, yeah. I mean, just kind of like one that maybe he didn't like for whatever reason. Or I have not even thought of the, my answer. So. Jeez, hey, hey, hey. I know. I threw some hard ones at you. Maybe I should have given you guys a heads up. But I like to kind of come in hot with some of these. One that you would just like to get rid of. And you could even do Patreon, you know, like a bonus show that we did. Like anything we've ever done that you can just, maybe you don't want a shot at redoing it right away. You just need to like get that off the uh, off the airways. It's like a retroactive abortion. This guy can't get rid of one of his babies. <laughs> <laughs> Killing the guy. He's tearing his insides out right now. I'm sitting here scrolling through. I'll, I'll give some answers. Here are my two. And incidentally, they're like the first two, two of the first shows we did. Uh, Ed Gein and Ed Kemper. Hmm. I would probably get rid of Ed Gein altogether just because we were such newbies. And I would want to redo Ed Kemper because I feel like that's a fascinating topic. And now that we've found our rhythm and Ian's found his rhythm with researching, we could probably do, uh, someone's playing some, Ian, we can hear this. (laughs) (laughs) I accidentally hit the play button on one of our shows. Oh, this is fantastic. 100 episodes in, we don't know what the fuck we're doing yet. <laughs> I think we could do Ed Kemper some more justice by doing him again. So I'd pick Kemper for my redo, Ed Gein to get rid of. Hmm. Yeah, I would get rid of Ed, or, uh, Ed Gein. The sound on that is fucking terrible. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, we could probably just do that one all. Well, I guess we're not redoing it, but just eliminate it and get back to him at another date. I, I've listened to that, you know, since. And I, I think I agree with you guys. The quality was just like I don't. I don't we were brand think we new. knew the fuck we're doing. We're, I think we, we were probably pretty hammered. We still don't know what the fuck. We're I, doing. I, I don't. playing our podcast in the background while we're talking. <laughs> I don't think it came out real good, so I agree with you guys on getting rid of that one. So erased from history, Ed Gein. I mean, I would like to do it again, but I, that's the one I would erase, though. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think the one I'd like to redo is the Cleveland Torso murder because I did ah. the outline for that one. I don't think it came out real well because you know it was the first one I tried, and I think it was kind of well. You also did it like. You did the outline, but Ian narrated the story. Yeah, I which think, makes I it think it was tough. Yeah, I don't think I did a great job on it. It's a really interesting story, just being from Cleveland. So right, I like to do that. And we got over. positive feedback on it. Though. Yeah. So. All right, Ian, did you give us your redo yet? Yeah, you redo Heaven's Gate and you erase Ed Gein. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, there it is. There's our final answers. Hundred episodes in. We'll see you guys at the two hundredth episode. We'll see you guys at the tattoo shop at the five hundredth episode. Everyone's invited to watch. I could get one. Yeah. I'm going to start researching now, like, the best tattoo shop to get if I'm only going to get one tattoo. I'm pretty sure Ian and I will have body sleeves by that 
time. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and I will still have virgin skin. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to get our foreheads done with the fucking necro tattoo. I don't have anywhere left. I, I, I talked to our, uh, our friend. She's going to help us uh, design something for me when we get there. All right. Anyways, Jeffrey Dahmer. Never heard of him. Yeah, me either, obviously. <laughs> Ian, take it away. So Jeffrey Dahmer was born May 21st, 1960 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And he was the first of two sons to Joyce Annette, who was a teletype machine instructor, and Lionel Dahmer, a Marquette University chemistry student. So he would have been 60 years old now. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right. I mean, would have been Dave. Jesus Christ. Spoiler in line one. <laughs> Goddamn, pal. I don't think there's anyone who thinks Jeffrey Dahmer's still alive. So. I had no idea. Shut, well, up. Shut up. 100%. Seriously? Until I watched the documentary that Ian made us watch. Why would I know that? What about me says I'm interested in this stuff? Oh, my God. I don't know. It's just like, I don't know, like a topical thing. He's yeah. the biggest serial killer of all serial killers. Sorry, man. I had no idea until I watched that documentary. Sorry, audience, if your head's up your ass like Mike says, I apologize for the early spoiler <laughs> in the first paragraph. Yeah. I don't think that's probably the case, though. It has been claimed that Dahmer was deprived of attention as an infant. Other sources, however, suggest that Dahmer was generally loved as an infant and a toddler by both parents, although his mother was known to be tense and greedy for both attention and pity and very argumentative with her husband and their neighbors. As Dahmer entered first grade, his mother, Joyce, began to spend an increasing amount of time in bed throughout the day. Well, that's been my life goal for years at this point. Well, I'm not able to do it. <laughs> Lionel's university studies kept him away from home much of the time. When he was home, his wife, who was a hypochondriac, who suffered from depression, demanded constant attention. She reportedly worked herself into a state of anxiety over trivi trivial matters simply to appease her husband. Once she attempted suicide with Equinel, consequently neither parent devoted much time to Dahmer as he grew past the toddler age. Dahmer would later recall that due to his mother staying in bed all day with made-up illnesses, there was extreme tension in the house at all times and a lot of arguing. Dahmer had been quote, an energetic and happy child, but became notably subdued after double hernia surgery shortly before his fourth birthday. His father later recalled that Dahmer seemed to be completely different after this surgery, more withdrawn and shy. At elementary school, Dahmer was regarded as quiet and timid. One teacher said that she sensed he felt neglected because of his mother's issues, but nonetheless, in grade school, Dahmer did have a small number of friends. Have we considered the fact that maybe MK Ultra altered his brain chemicals during this surgery when he was four years old? I mean, yeah, can, I don't can, understand. Can we tie MK Ultra into anything that ever happened in the 60s and 70s? Well, lots of stuff, I think. <laughs> yeah, he probably could just blame MK Ultra on everything. <laughs> so I'm throwing a new theory out there with Dahmer. I, I don't understand what would have gotten botched in a, in a hernia surgery that would cause something mental to happen yeah. with him. Eh, he just might be deflecting later. Who knows? I guess if this, if your son did this, you would probably pick through every little thing to try and figure out what the hell went wrong. Oh God, yeah. Like, uh, takes after his mother. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> From an early age, Dahmer grew an interest in dead animals. He initially collected large insects such as dragonflies and butterflies in jars. 
Later, he collected animal carcasses from the roadside, occasionally accompanied by one or more friends. He dismembered these animals either at home or in the nearby woods. According to one friend, Dahmer dismembered these animals and stored their parts in jars in the family's tool shed. He explained that he was curious as to how the animals, quote, fitted together. Did you guys ever do this as kids? Uh, in uh, a word, no. no. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can't even imagine. I couldn't even do this now. I don't want to touch animals, ever. You're a little kid, you're touching dead carcasses. and Dave, I didn't even know who Jeffrey Dahmer was. You think I was <laughs> fucking around with animals as a kid? <laughs> no. I was busy doing important things like watching wrestling and studying Shawn Michaels' tights. <laughs> right. Very, very I wasn't true. outside doing yeah. shit. And slaying Poontang. <laughs> very true, sir. What did you say, Ian? You were outside doing shit? I said I wasn't outside oh, doing shit. I thought you said you were. I was like, you're lying. <laughs> In one instance, Dahmer decapitated the carcass of a dog before nailing the body to a tree and impaling the skull on a stake beside a wooden cross in the woods near his house. Jesus fucking Christ with this guy. It's yeah, like zero to a hundred. Like just instantly. His fascination with dead animals might have began when he was at the age of four. He saw his father removing animal bones from beneath the family home. According to Lionel, Dahmer was, quote, oddly thrilled by the sounds the bones made and became preoccupied with animal bones. He occasionally searched beneath and around the family home for additional bones and explored the bodies of live animals to, to discover where their bones were located. Mm. So is, do you think he's damaged at this point already? Or with a few different life choices, does he be, eventually go on to become Dr. Dahmer and cure cancer? The, mm. the whole imp th impaling the skull and putting it on a stake is a bit odd. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, an interest in like animals and how they're, you know. Yeah, well, research scientists do similar activities. Just saying. I mean, are they are they putting up skulls in the woods? I, and they're, you know, I don't know. He was working with what he had. There might have been a chance with this guy. I'm like suggesting he was, clearly, he was clearly interested in this. Yeah, I'm just suggesting a few different forks in the road, and maybe uh, Nobel Prize winner Dr. Jeffrey Dahmer cured uh, cancer today. Maybe so. I think right. his motivation was a little different. All right. In October 1966, the family moved to Doylestown, Ohio. When Joyce gave birth in December, Jeffrey was allowed to choose the name of his new baby brother, and he chose the name David. It's a good name. That's yeah, it's a solid name. It's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, David, it's a good name, solid, really good. <laughs> that same year, Lionel earned his degree and started work as an analytical chemist in nearby Akron, Ohio. Beautiful town. Right down the road. Home of Goodyear Tires. Sure. The Rubber Ducks. Rubber Ducks? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah. Used to be called the Arrows. The Arrows, yeah. yeah. In 1968, the family moved to Bath Township, Ohio. Two years later, during a chicken dinner, Dahmer asked his father, Lionel, what would happen if chicken bones were placed in bleach? Lionel was happy by his son's curiosity from a chemist's point of view and demonstrated how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. Dahmer incorporated these techniques into his bone collecting. Oh, that's nice. Like, if we had narration in the story, it'd be something like, at this point in our story, his chemist father was beaming with pride at his little boy's inquisitive <laughs> mind. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, he thought to himself, unaware of the horrors to come. I would imagine that's probably about accurate. I think we need a narrator sometimes. <laughs> At this point in our tale. 
and I, I mean, that totally makes sense to me at least. I mean, his dad'd be like, Oh yeah, he's interested yeah, in my work, right. interested in what I'm what I do. Can't wait to see him on stage getting his MD in twelve years. That MD from his freshman for a massive collection of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, yes it is. Yes it does. See, I know all about this guy. That's Kay Fabin. From his freshman year at Revere High School, Dahmer was seen as an outcast. At 14, he began drinking beer and hard alcohol in school. He told a classmate it was his, quote, medicine. Amen. Oh. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Although largely uncommunicative in his freshman year, Dahmer was seen by staff as polite and highly intelligent, but with average grades. He was a good tennis player and played briefly in the high school band. They have a picture on the wall at, at Revere, a picture of his face that says voted most likely to eat people. <laughs> it's it's class, in, it's class nailed it. Yeah, it's up in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, he's he was really smart. He just fucked off and drank beer all day at school and snuck liquor into the classroom. Legitimately, me in college. <laughs> <laughs> this, the truthfulest statement I could make about me in college. Notice uh, he, he was drinking in, in grammar class. He's making up words like truthfulest. Yeah. Oh, it's been the day of drinking today. <laughs> Most truthful thing you could say. I like truthfulest better. I should have ate dinner. <laughs> when he reached puberty, Dahmer discovered he was gay, and he did not tell his parents. In his early teens, he had a brief relationship with another teenage boy, although they never had intercourse. By his later omission, Dahmer began fantasizing about dominating and controlling a completely submissive male partner. These fantasies gradually became intertwined with dissection. When he was about 16, Dahmer conceived a fantasy of rendering unconscious a particular male jogger he found attractive and then making sexual use of his body. This jogger ran by Dahmer's house daily. What it was is he just sat in the woods, like on the edge of this road, and watched this guy jogging by daily. You remember in, in that My Friend Dahmer movie, that was portrayed pretty creepy, just like that. He's just sitting in the woods watching the guy waiting. Yeah, and it was that's pretty accurate to yeah. the whole, how it went down, yeah. I bet this guy reads this later. He's like, hey, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Dahmer almost got me. Because, yeah, he worked himself up to it, and one day he decided that he was going to bring a baseball bat with him and wait for this guy, and he was going to attack him. However, on that particular day, the jogger didn't pass by. God and damn. Dahmer, yeah, and Dahmer would later say that this was his first attempt to attack someone. See, at the time, that jogger probably thought that waking up with diarrhea was the worst day of his life. Yeah. And then he looks back, and he's like, thank God I shit the bed that morning mm. and didn't go running. Or was Dahmer sloppy and the guy took the bat away from him and cracked his skull open and none of this ever happened? What ifs? History what, what ifs? Sure. Yeah. And what are you going to do? Outrun a jogger? Like, you can't do that. Yeah. You just go forever. Guy might have killed Dahmer in self-defense right there. We wouldn't even be talking well, about it. We wouldn't even know who the guy was. It just wouldn't be a show. It's true. You know, well, what would be our 100th episode? Casey Anthony. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> she was the number two pick for this episode. Yeah. Ian, just give us 20 minutes. We're going to pontificate on Casey Anthony for a little while here. <laughs> I mean, the difference being in those two scenarios that Jeffrey Dahmer was probably guilty and Casey Anthony was completely found 100% not guilty. Innocent, if you will. 
Some might say. Yeah, some might say. She's a free woman. She's out there today, living her best life. Mm. What's up, girl? Call us. <laughs> Hashtag in studio. Can you imagine if we can get her in studio yes. for that show? Yes, I could. We wouldn't let Ian do the outline. I'm imagining it right now. We couldn't have let Ian do the outline for that show because it'd be, you know, he'd just be tearing her apart, and that's not fair. We couldn't have that. No, Dave and I will handle the outline, <laughs> yeah, Ian. Don't we'll worry about it. You can have that week off. Yeah. You just sit back and relax. Dave and I will have her in studio. We'll have her in studio. <laughs> <laughs> that went off the people rails are gonna be real so quick mad at us. People are gonna be <laughs> Where so did that mad. come from? Well, you asked what the 100th episode would be. I did. If it's right. not Dahmer, who better than Casey Anthony? You're right. Oh, drumming up some heat what, today. You know how you're talking about like what, what his chances would be against this, uh, this jogger? Mm-hmm. So at this time in high school, too, because he was so socially awkward, his dad figured it'd be a good idea to get him into weightlifting and jeffrey dahmer was already a little over six foot i mean he was a big guy and then his dad threw in weightlifting and he got really into it i mean he was hmm. he was big and he was really fucking strong interesting so maybe he, yeah you know, that's well to be able to overpower people like this i mean i'm sure it's a good trait right well and i yeah he was and i know drugging him a lot though too right later on yeah, yeah. A high school friends of his, you know, or people that were associated with him in high school, like they would later said that when people picked on him, he never fought back and they could never figure out why because they're like, he's jacked. Like, yeah, he, like he could have held somebody his own. up. Right. Yeah. It is interesting. That really is because then, you know, you want to say, like, well, he's just a gentle guy, but then he's clearly not a gentle <laughs> yeah. guy. He seems like it. You listen to him talk. Like everything about him until you hear about what happens yeah. behind closed doors. Kemper, too. Same disposition, seems like. He's the, the two most, like, on the surface, likable guys, right? That we've caught. I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but, like, Ian, what do you think? Like, the two most likable guys we've ever, serial killers we've ever talked about? Like, on the surface of it? Yeah, I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer seemed like a quiet guy that right. wasn't bothering anybody, really. Well, and Kemper yeah. was more charismatic. Like, he'd be one that, like, you stood out a little more. But, like, yeah. Dahmer would just be, like, the guy that's, like, in your class that you liked him. He didn't say a whole lot. And he was polite, polite and pleasant. And that was it. Yeah, and I guess you could throw Ted Bundy in there. I think Ted Bundy is probably, like, I think he's probably, like, the, the big one that stands out as far as a guy that you would never think would do something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we get, I mean, you would know, Mike. You're the oh, Bundy right. expert. Well, I would say my book's coming out in a couple of weeks, so I didn't want to throw the spoilers out. <laughs> Do you want Ian or I to write a forward for your book? Uh, no, I'm actually getting King Kong Bundy to write the intro <laughs> to my book on Ted Bundy. <laughs> thought that would be the best way to go about it. It's not bad. Yeah. Was that his father or his grandfather? No, oh, not at all. Okay. But I just thought, like, like Bundy. Al Bundy's <laughs> writing the afterword. <laughs> Despite being regarded as a loner and odd among his peers in high school, Dahmer became a class clown who often staged pranks, which became known as, quote, doing a Dahmer. These included faking epileptic seizures or cerebral palsy at school and local stores. What a silly goose that guy was. So is that a little bit coming from his mom? Like just like the faking of like the issues and the... I don't know. It's it's weird. And you watched the movie, Dave, because you brought it up. Uh, yeah, my same friend thing. Dahmer. They portray him in the mall doing this crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he like falls on the ground, starts yelling and shit. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is a good movie. People what should about watch that. When uh Larry David and Kirby Your Enthusiasm is trying to use the handicap stall. 
and he starts acting like he might have CP. Do <laughs> you remember that scene? I did not. When he doesn't want to wait in line? It's so bad. It's terrible. <laughs> Ugh. Ian, you got to watch Curb so you get all these references. Yeah. Oh, my God. He'll sit there and not laugh because he doesn't like Seinfeld. <laughs> By 1977, his grades had declined. His parents hired a private tutor with limited success. That same year, in an attempt to save their marriage, his parents attended counseling sessions. They continued to fight frequently. When Lionel divorced Joyce and started a brief affair in 1977, they both decided to divorce, telling their sons it was a decision that they both agreed on. Lionel then moved out of the house in early 1978. So Jeff was, what, 18? About 18 at this point? Yeah, senior in high school. In May 1978, Dahmer graduated from high school. A few weeks before his graduation, one of his teachers observed him sitting close to the school parking lot drinking several cans of beer. When the teacher threatened to report him, Dahmer informed him he was experiencing, quote, a lot of problems at home and that the school's guidance counselor was aware of them. When you picture like high school in the 70s, don't you immediately just think of dazed and confused? Yeah. yeah. Like just drinking with the teachers and smoking weed yeah. out in the back of the school and stuff. It's one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Absolutely. It immediately comes to my mind when I hear 70s high school. Yeah. No, I wasn't in high school in the 70s, you fucking ageist fans. Bastards. <laughs> know what you all yeah. are thinking. Fuck you guys if you thought that. How dare you? <laughs> that spring, Joyce and David moved out of the family home to live with relatives. Dahmer had just turned 18 and remained in the family home alone. Dahmer's parents' divorce was finalized on July 24, 1978, and Joyce was awarded custody of her younger son and alimony payments. So why did everyone leave? They just left him there by himself? That's weird. Yeah, that's it's really odd. I mean, they completely... It, it was like as soon as he hit that... Past that toddler stage, they were so self-involved with arguing. His, You know, his parents fighting they completely yeah. forgot about him then when david was born all the love went on to david oh. Don and jeffrey was still forgotten about and then when they divorced they literally forgot about him and just fucking left him behind alone hmm. it's quite well, sad. that'll fuck you up yeah, right it's really sad sure that being said how many 18 year olds in the 70s would love just to have the house to themselves i would have been the greatest thing in the whole world yeah <laughs> I'm smoking. Um, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I'm not just murdering people and blasting some what kiss by then, yeah. some love gun blasting out your windows. Oh, what 1979? 78. 78. Yeah. Huh? I was made for loving you. <laughs> that was 79, wasn't it? 79. Yeah. 78 was the solo album. <laughs> I'm back, back in the New York crew. Oh, that's a good yeah. tune. There's like four people who are like know what we're talking about the rest like these fucking <laughs> dumbasses all right google it and the other thing about leaving him alone like that like just ditching him is he's he hasn't told anybody this but he's got this fantasy of a submissive partner that he's intertwining with dissecting animals so now he's just left alone to do whatever the fuck mm -hmm. he wants without any mental health help of course right well i guess we could say that for every story we've ever covered in the history of Necronomopod. Yeah, but I mean... If only... Who was the one... I bring this up all the time, I think. Ian, who was the one who killed... Was it the rabbit or the dog right in front of his mom? And he Richard, Richard Chase. Chase. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, ah, oh, he'll be fine. <laughs> Let's get, get him in his own apartment. Yeah. God damn. 
Dahmer committed his first murder in 1978, three weeks after his graduation. On June 18th, Dahmer picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Hicks, who was around 19 years old. Dahmer lured Hicks to his house with the promise of the two of them drinking alcohol. Hicks, who had been hitchhiking to a rock concert in Lockwood Corners, agreed to go with Dahmer to his house. According to Dahmer, after several hours of drinking and listening to music, Hicks, quote, wanted to leave and I didn't want him to. And I want you to leave. A friend. What do you think they were listening to? <laughs> Bee Gees? No, I think the Kiss solo album that we covered earlier. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Right? Sure. I was made for eating you, baby. <laughs> Still early. Too early, Dave. But it works. It works. In response, Dahmer bludgeoned Hicks with a 10-pound dumbbell. He later stated he struck Hicks twice from behind with the dumbbell as Hicks sat on a chair. When Hicks fell unconscious, Dahmer strangled him to death with the bar of the dumbbell, then stripped off the clothes from Hicks's body before masturbating as he stood above the corpse. Oh, man. All right. So he really went from zero to 100 with the... Yeah. Well, and, but this is also what? He's been thinking about this fantasy for how long now? And then oh, it yeah. just happened. Like, yeah, he's... he's <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> what episode was that from? Peter Curtin. Peter, he's Peter Curtin, and like, probably as he's bludgeoning him with the, dumb, the dumbbell. Man, that's just crazy. Just... Full speed ahead, right? The following day, Dahmer dissected Hicks's body in his basement. He later buried the remains in a shallow grave in his backyard before several, before several weeks later, unearthing the remains and removing the flesh from the bones. He dissolved the flesh in acid before flushing the solution down the toilet. He crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woods behind the family home. So this is this is based on what he told authorities after the fact, or did they ever recover like parts of those bones, like the ones he crushed, uh, or were, like were those yeah, just long gone? No, we'll see in part two. They did recover some of that stuff. Okay. Oh, did they? Interesting. But I meant like even dating back to this first one with Hicks. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. God damn. That's that a pretty is... thorough disposal job, though, for yeah. a kid that young. You and know? in the seventies too. Yeah. That's yeah. the one thing about Jeffrey Dahmer with his interviews and stuff he's very honest about what he did like all these other guys try to lie about shit and like hype up their uh their crimes and stuff he's brutally honest about what he did why do you think that is is it just because of the know. kind of person he is i like, mean he's in interviews just... he generally seemed to feel bad so he's like a nice guy whose sexual fetish took it way too far and he got caught up in like that life yeah i mean i think he acknowledges he's mentally ill he and there was remorse realize it I, you know i mean not enough remorse to stop until no, he was caught I mean, but yeah it's just interesting to kind it's of tough think after the fact to assess you know your level of well, especially I, I for three know. drunk asses who are just sitting around a table <laughs> talking about it like he seemed to be remorseful and not you know we can talk about the interview later on in the story though six weeks after the murder of hicks Dahmer's father and his fiance returned to his home where they discovered Jeffrey living alone at the house. That August, Dahmer enrolled at Ohio State University, hoping to major in business. Dahmer's sole term at OSU was completely unproductive, largely because of his constant alcohol abuse throughout the majority of the term. Amen. <laughs> Sound familiar at all? Oh, <laughs> my first semester. In short, not great. <laughs> I did a little better than him, but I was quite derailed. 
I mean, you were banging broads two, three at a time every each and every day. What are you supposed to do? You ain't got time to read? What am I supposed to read? I'm if banging. If it was a degree in plow and pussy, it'd have been a four point Like, oh, there's another girl here. I can't do my chemistry homework. <laughs> yes, I was, I was John Travolta in college. <laughs> Mafia Mike popped in my head as I was <laughs> the shit the in the ball. <laughs> Amityville Horror available in the archives. (laughs) (laughs) He received failing grades in Introduction to Anthropology, Classical Civilizations, and Administrative Science. The only course Dahmer was successful at was Riflery, having received a B-minus grade. His overall GPA was .45. (laughs) O-H! Goddamn. On one occasion, Lionel paid a surprise visit to Dahmer, only to find his room filled with empty liquor bottles. (laughs) Despite his father having paid in advance for the second term, Dahmer dropped out of OSU just after three months. So, what have you been up to, my boy? In January 1979, on his father's urging, Dahmer enlisted in the United States Army, where he trained as a medical specialist at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. On July 13, 1979, he was stationed in Baumholder, West Germany, where he served as a combat medic in the 2nd Battalion, 68th Armored Regiment, 8th Infantry Division. According to published reports, in Dahmer's first year of surgeon, he was a, quote, average or slightly above average soldier. You imagine combat, combat medic Dahmer? Imagine this guy. Got, like a uh, guy gets shot in the foot, combat medic. Dahmer's like, well, I'm going to have to cut off your penis and testicles and eat them (laughs) to save your life. It's the only way, man. It's the only way. Combat medic in general. Some uh, crazy stories of the the medics in World War II, especially D-Day. Yeah, fucking watch uh, Saving Private Ryan. Show you right there in the first 30 seconds of that movie. Two soldiers claim to have been raped by Dahmer while in the Army. One stated in 2010 that Dahmer had repeatedly raped him over a 17-month period while they were both stationed at Baumholder, while another soldier believes Dahmer drugged and raped him inside an armored personnel carrier in 1979. Isn't that crazy? Like, it's kind of yeah. bold. Dr- I mean, drugging and raping your fellow soldiers? Do you believe it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, because Dahmer, he was always very honest about everything he did, and that never came up, yeah. you know. Although, well, you know, just, women women getting raped in the military does seem to be a big problem. So maybe, you know. No, sure. But I'm just saying. So maybe with, the same. With what fits with Dahmer, like that quite wasn't his style, right? Like he was going to like kill you if he was going to rape he was you, still right? Lear- he was still learning. Who knows what he was. But he had already done it once at it's least. True, But the, it just seems of all the other ones that we're even going to cover, this, those ones seem a little different. I'm not saying I'm, I'm discrediting them. Yeah. No, I just, just mean it's probably a lot harder to dispose of a body overseas in Germany than. In Bath, Ohio. Yeah. But there does seem to be problems with rape culture in the military sometimes, so maybe this is just in line with that. Due to Dahmer's alcohol abuse, his performance deteriorated, and in March 1981, he was deemed unsuitable for military service and was later discharged from the Army. He received an honorable discharge as his supervisors did not believe that any problems Dahmer had in the Army would be applicable to civilian life. Who else is unsuitable for military service? The, Who's the, that? The three of us. 
Yeah, right. Please, I'll pass the test right now. God. Have me run, run one of those little road here. courses. I'll show those 18-year-old punks what's up. I have a problem with authority. <laughs> that would so, not go well with me. <laughs> so you're saying that, you know, when he was discharged, they didn't feel those rape allegations would be a problem in civilian life. So they're like, you're, you're good to go. Honorable discharge. Stamp. Like, well, son, what are you planning on doing with uh, your life? Well, sir, the world is my oyster. My plan is to take a bite out of life. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah, that's the exit. That's his exit interview. It's like then it's like fucking Shawshank when uh, they're going for parole. It's like boom, approved. <laughs> when uh, fucking Red's finally getting yeah, out, yeah. you give him the honest answer and just shit on everything. It's a boom, approved, gone. On March 24th, 1981, Dahmer was sent to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for debriefing and provided with a plane ticket to travel anywhere in the country. Dahmer later told police he felt he could not return home to face his father, so he decided to travel to Miami Beach, Florida because he was, quote, tired of the cold and in an attempt to live by his own means. I get it. Yeah. I mean, tired of cold up too, enough. Man. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I meant the cold. <laughs> What'd you say? So I'm tired of the cold. I hate Florida's too fucking hot, though. I need something in the middle. I don't want that fucking humidity, man. Wherever it's 70 degrees and partly cloudy every day, can maybe someone could let me know where that is because that's where I want to live. 70 is perfect. 70 degrees, 70 partly to cloudy. I don't want 75. I want 70. Oh, I would 68 take 75. to 70. I would take up to 70. Partly cloudy every day of the year. Jeans and t-shirt weather. That's what I would I don't like. I mind shorts when it's 70, but sure. I prefer jeans and t-shirt. I want to be That's comfortable fine. in jeans and a t-shirt Well, with the option to wear shorts. Or sweatpants. I don't wear jeans. Well, it's not comfortable. First live show, Dave's showing up in sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever in the world listening who lives in that spot, let me know so I can move there. This 90 fucking 95 degree weather. It's terrible. Awful. It's terrible. No one has time for that. In Florida, Dahmer found employment at a sandwich shop and rented a room in a nearby motel. Dahmer spent most of his salary on alcohol and was soon evicted from the motel for (laughs) non-payment. A lot of forethought with this guy. Yeah. (laughs) He initially spent his evenings on the beach as he continued to work at the sandwich shop until calling his father and asking to return to Ohio in September of that year. So he was just working at the sandwich shop and then just getting super fucking drunk and sleeping on the beach. It sounds good, I guess. Not great, though. So you need a shower, right? Sleeping on a beach, all that sand just all over. And he's making like, your sandwich and he's making your the fucking next sand. day. Right. Like, <laughs> you're eating sand, uh, sandwich sand. You're eating sandwiches. Sand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. After his return to Ohio, Dahmer initially lived with his father and stepmother and insisted on being given numerous chores to occupy his time while he looked for work. That's a good boy. Good for Dahmer. He's learning. Story's turning around. Yeah, absolutely. Nobel Prize coming up, I feel. (laughs) Well, he continued to drink heavily, and after two weeks, he was arrested for drunken disorderly conduct, (laughs) for which he was fined $60 and given a a suspended 10-day jail sentence. (laughs) Goddamn, pal. You know, I I hate... Disorderly conduct is a bullshit... Charge. Well, they slap that on anything. Anybody. When they it's have a, nothing else, it, it's disorderly it conduct. It gives a universal right to arrest. Or if you had to a few drinks, drunk in public, Fuck they'll that. throw that. Yeah. should not be allowed to disorderly conduct. 
Well, you should be allowed to disorderly conduct. You should be allowed to disorderly conduct without being arrested for disorderly conduct. Tonight, Dave and I are going out. We're disorderly conducting. (laughs) I've been drinking some whiskey tonight, so I'm starting to slur early in the story here. Ian's like, will you guys shut the fuck up? This is very talkative tonight. He's he's hashtag over us. It's our 100th episode. I'm excited. This is a celebratory evening. And I've been drinking a lot of Crown for a little while. Oh, he hasn't even offered me any. I've been sitting across from him for an hour anyway. and a half. Dahmer's father tried unsuccessfully to wean his son off alcohol. In December 1981, he and Dahmer's stepmother sent him to live with his grandmother in West Allis, Wisconsin. Dahmer's grandmother was the only family member to whom he displayed any affection. They hoped that her influence plus the change of scenery might persuade Dahmer to relax on the alcohol, find a job, and live responsibly. Was Dahmer a beer drinker? I'm just curious. He looks like a beer drinker. In the documentary that Ian had told us to watch, The Dahmer Files, yeah. it was only beer that only I saw beer? him. Only beer? That was all I all saw him drinking. Oh, and one time he bought a bottle of rum huh. in the documentary. Right. But it was like half like movie style, half documentary yeah. style. Like Captain Morgan's rum? Did Dahmer put his he knee said, up and no, do the he actually said a, the cheap that cheap bottle of rum oh. down there. Like he actually said in the thing that that cheap because I'm thinking, oh no, that's so bad. I fucking hate rum. I don't like rum either. Yeah, I believe if I remember correctly, it was uh, Schlitz that he drank all the time. Like he would just pound that shit. Right. Yeah, well, well, that's people, Milwaukee, right? People who drink Schlitz yeah. are pretty bad people, I'd imagine. <laughs> Jesus. Schlitz. I'm a Blatz guy. Give me Blatz if we're going cheap. Oh, God. It's all terrible. All, what if you're going to go yeah. down that hole? Go down that hole. Give me some Blatz. Milwaukee's best. If I'm in Milwaukee, but, I, but eating that's, guys, I'm drinking Milwaukee's best. Okay. Living the gimmick. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to step it up to uh, to Beast Ice. <laughs> oh. 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 That stuff's rough, oh. dude. Dude, I played one oh. time in college. I played beer pong with Beast Ice. I was so fucking hammered and disgustingly sick after one game because that shit is nasty. Ooh. Beast ice. Damn, pal. Any any beer that has ice in it, you just want you tend to avoid that. It's not good. Bud ice. Remember Bud Ice? It's not good. No. What does that even mean, ice? I, I don't know. It means shit. Yeah, it does. Bud shit. Milwaukee's <laughs> best shit. Yeah, back in the days of high school, I would get a six pack of pounders of uh, oh. beast ice. Oh, god damn. <laughs> yeah, that would be, do the trick. You'd be, <laughs> you'd be loving life by the end of the night. Yeah. <laughs> Will you give me one, Mike? I'm sorry. I forgot to grab you want one some. of my beast ices. Oh, no. <laughs> I always forget to bring mine. I got here. Molson Triple X at home. I didn't, I didn't bring any Molson Triple X. Any hoodles. Continue, Ian. Initially, Dahmer's living arrangement. <laughs> Living arrangements with his grandmother were good. He went with her to church, willingly took on chores, actively sought work, and abided by most of her house rules, although he did continue to drink and smoke cigarettes. This new influence in his life initially brought results, and in early 1982, Dombra found employment as a phlebotomist at the Milwaukee Blood Plasma Center. Oh, I bet that got him going. <laughs> right? <laughs> Did you know Mike's, uh, they called Mike in uh, college, they called him the phlebotomist? Oh, yeah? He uh, liked to give girls oral when they were on their period. Until they had blood. <laughs> he had more red wings than a Detroit hockey team. 
Oh, there's so much to dissect in that statement. <laughs> Thank you for the hockey reference. I appreciate that. Sure thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> girls what it is. Girls will ring their doorbell. <laughs> like, I'm ragging tonight. And the, the call would go out for the phlebotomist. Is there a phlebotomist? Is the phlebotomist in his room? I'd show up with a Dracula cape, put it over my face. I run to suck your blood. I will find your clit through the blood. That's why I did Dracula. Your clit is as real as me. This show's all crazy tonight. Mm-hmm. He held this job for a total of 10 months before being laid off. Dahmer remained unemployed for two years, during which he lived on whatever money his grandmother gave him. Shortly before losing his job, Dahmer was arrested for indecent exposure. On August 7, 1982, at the Wisconsin State Fair Park, he exposed himself to a crowd of 25 women and children. For this incident, he was convicted and fined $50 plus court costs. It's a little weird, no? It's outside his wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't get what that's all about. Maybe it was just his finger and his, and his zipper, like Michael Scott. <laughs> Maybe he didn't really do it. <laughs> In January 1985, Dahmer was hired as a mixer at the Milwaukee Ambrosia Chocolate Factory, where he worked from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. six nights per week, with Saturday evenings off. Willy Wonker Dahmer, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after Dahmer found this employment, an incident occurred in which he was propositioned by another man while sitting reading in the West Alice Public Library. The stranger threw Dahmer a note offering to perform oral sex on him. Although Dahmer did not respond to this proposition, the incident stirred in his mind the fantasies of control and dominance he had developed as a teenager, and he began to go to Milwaukee's gay bars, gay bathhouses, and bookstores. He also stole a male mannequin from a store, which he briefly used for sexual stimulation until his grandmother discovered it stored in a closet and demanded that he get rid of it. Jeffrey, what's this? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he was just born too soon? I mean, the quality of sex dolls today, I think, could maybe take care of his needs. Right? See those robot things? I think we've talked about this There's all kinds of stuff out there. Holy shit. He could have total domination over them. Yeah, might have prevented a Dahmer. Yeah, but I feel like if he cut that sex doll open and nothing was on the inside, maybe that would well, have caused a problem for him. Tell you what, I'd let him keep all the mannequins he wanted if it was going to save lives. Yeah, and also I'm waiting till our first live show so I can people can throw me notes to perform oral sex <laughs> on me. <laughs> okay. Is that how podcast live shows go? People throw you notes on stage. I would like to perform oral sex on Dave, you. I've only been to one live podcast show, and you were there with me, and it did not go that it way. It did not, no. <laughs> we got fucking hammered, though. We did. I laughed, I, I laughed, and I had beer in my mouth, and I spit it out all over my wife. She was not, she was not <laughs> happy with me. the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> By late 1985, Dahmer had begun to regularly go to the bathhouses, which he later described as being, quote, relaxing places. But during his sexual encounters, he became frustrated at his partners moving around during, during having sex. Following his arrest, he stated, quote, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of as people. 
That's interesting, for sure. And I know it. Was, I read too that he couldn't get hard if the person was moving around. So he was the bottom a lot of times, or mo- all the time, and he hated that. Like he needed yeah. the dominance of people mm, or to dominate people. Mm, wow. For this reason, beginning in June 1986, he started giving sleeping pills to his partners, giving them liquor laced with sedatives, then raping their unconscious bodies. After approximately 12 such incidents, the bathhouse administration revoked Dahmer's membership, and he began to use hotel rooms to continue this practice. Oh, they didn't like people uh, getting drugged in their establishment? No. no. Word went around that, hey, when this weird guy's in here, people are getting fucking drugged. Yeah, and... I'm sure. Right. Mm. Shortly after his membership of the bathhouse was revoked, Dahmer read a report in a newspaper regarding the upcoming funeral of an 18-year-old male. He fantasized about the idea of stealing the fresh corpse and taking it home. According to Dahmer, he attempted to dig up the coffin from the ground, but found it was too hard and gave up that plan. Wow. So he actually went to the cemetery, huh? Yeah, Mm. and tried to do it. In August of 1986, Dahmer was arrested for masturbating in front of two 12-year-old boys as he stood close to the Kinnikinick River. He initially admitted to this offense and was again charged with indecent exposure, but quickly changed his story and claimed that he had been urinating and unaware that there were witnesses. Look, yeah. if you, if you have to pee and two hot twelve year olds come wander over, what do you, what you what's the guy supposed to do? Oh boy, oh man, <laughs> I stop, feel like Dahmer's getting railroaded stop. here. <laughs> oh boy. Uh. Oh, here you go, Dave. Next sentence. The charge was changed to disorderly conduct, mm. and on March 10th, 1987, Dahmer was sentenced to one year of probation with additional instructions that he was uh, that he was to undergo counseling. Mm. I swear, if this was me, I'd get 20 years in federal prison. It's a year of probation against a year of probation. I said he gets a year of probation. Oh, I oh, would go. You away would get for 20 years. <laughs> I was pissing, man. <laughs> we'll be right back. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Something keeping you from achieving your 2020 goals? Let's face it, these are certainly trying times. From being cooped up inside your home to wondering how you're going to pay next month's bills, we're all experiencing some form of stress or strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is an online mental health provider that will assess your needs and match you up with your own licensed professional therapist. The best part? No waiting rooms. That's a pretty big deal if you're as impatient as I am. BetterHelp is a safe and private online environment that will have you communicating with a counselor within the first 24 hours. And once you've begun, you can send your counselor a message at any time, always getting a helpful response in a timely manner. You even have the ability to schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all from the comfort of your very own couch. BetterHelp is available worldwide and has a broad range of expertise available, including licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflict, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Not happy with your counselor? No worries. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and makes it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Remember, 
Everything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And while it's not a crisis line, it is a convenient, professional, and affordable way to seek the help you deserve. Financial aid is even offered to those who qualify. Want to hear how BetterHelp assisted people just like you? Check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. Look, we here at Necronomapod want you to start living a happier life. So, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Necro. Join over 1 million people already taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, BetterHelp.com slash Necro. On November 20th, 1987, Dahmer at the time was still living with his grandmother. He encountered a 25-year-old man from Ontonagon, Michigan, Stephen Tomey, at a bar and talked him into returning to the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee, where Dahmer had rented a room for the evening. According to Dahmer, he had no intention of murdering Tomey, but rather intended to drug and rape him as he laid unconscious. The following morning, however, Dahmer woke up to find Tomey lying beneath him on the bed, his chest, quote, crushed in and black and blue with bruises. Blood was also seeping from the corner of his mouth, and Dahmer's fists and one of his forearms were extensively bruised. Dahmer stated he had no memory of killing Tomey, and later informed investigators that he, quote, could not believe this had happened. I mean, sleep murdering, it happens. Of course. It's not unheard of. Getting blackout drunk and killing somebody? Yeah. Or taking ambience and not waking up, not knowing what you're doing? I've heard of it before. It's been used as a murder defense. That's a wild one. And as someone who used to sleepwalk, I uh, did all kinds of weird shit when I was asleep. (laughs) I've never murdered anyone that you know of. (laughs) I have not. That you know of. Nope. To dispose of Tommy's body, Dahmer purchased a large suitcase in which he transported the body to his grandmother's house. There, one week later, he severed the head, arms, and legs from the torso, then removed the bones from the body before cutting the flesh into pieces small enough to handle. Dahmer then placed the flesh inside a pla- in plastic garbage bags. He wrapped the bones inside a sheet and pounded them into splinters with a, sl- with a sledgehammer. The entire dismemberment process took Dahmer approximately two hours to complete, and he disposed of all of Tommy's remains, excluding the severed head in the trash. Oh, where do you keep that body for a week at Grandma's house? Yeah, or it doesn't smell right. After two weeks, Dahmer boiled the head in a mixture of soylex and bleach in an effort to keep the skull, which he then used for masturbation. Now, what's crazy about this is that he kept it in a locked box. And his dad came to visit and saw the box and was like, what's in the box, Jeff? Like, you know, what's in the box? What's in the box, Jeff? <laughs> right. Like Dahmer got real defensive about it. And, uh, and his dad's like, you're going to show me what's in this box. Cause he was wanting to make sure that, that Jeffrey wasn't fucking around anymore. And he yeah. thought he was living clean and stuff. Yeah. So it turned into this big thing. And his dad was like, I'm going to go find the key for it. And he never ended up being able to find the key. So he kind of dropped it. But if he would have found the key and opened that up, he would have fucking seen a severed head in there. No shit. And it would have been done right here. Wow. That's crazy. Could you imagine being his dad, like after the fact, hearing your son tell that story? Like, yeah, I had a a head in that box the whole time. It's fucking crazy. Eventually, the skull was too brittle by the bleaching process. So Dahmer pulverized it and disposed of it. There's something so dishonorable just about pulverizing someone's bones like that 
and just, just throwing them everywhere. Yeah, it's such a yeah. lack of disrespect or lack of respect. I don't know. I mean, also drugging them and raping, <clears throat> raping them too. I know. Just, just I don't know. At the end of your life, just a, such. That's what you become. Disrespect that that's what yeah. your final where you end up. That just no one has any closure, and you you got pulverized by this psychopath. Ah, it's just sad. Sorry, I don't want to bring the show down. <laughs> such uplifting material. Like. <laughs> Following the murder of Tommy, Dahmer began to actively seek victims, most of whom he encountered in or close to gay bars and who he typically lured to his grandmother's home. There he drugged them before or shortly after engaging in sexual activity with them. Once he had rendered the victim unconscious with sleeping pills, he killed them by strangulation. Where's grandma? Was he at church this whole time? What's he doing? I don't know, man. I don't know if she's just <laughs> hanging upstairs, just oblivious to everything. Jeffy! Or... Don't what ask, don't that? tell. What was that, Jeffy? <laughs> <laughs> Two months after the Tommy killing, Dahmer encountered a 14-year-old Native American male prostitute named James Doxator. Dahmer lured Doxator to his home with an offer of $50 to pose for nude pictures. At Dahmer's grandmother's house, they engaged in sexual activity before Dahmer drugged Doxator and strangled him on the floor of the cellar. Dahmer left the body in the cellar for one week before dismembering it in the same manner as he had with with Tommy. He placed all of Doxator's remains, excluding the skull, in the trash. He boiled the skull and kept it for a while before pulverizing it. And this is a big thing about Dahmer is that he, there's a lot of underage victims here, but he is very adamant at that he thought that they were of age. That's one thing that he refuses to admit to, that okay. he was like into younger people. Yeah. That's interesting. He draws a line. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then he was exposing himself to what? Like the, the 25 moms and kids or yeah. whatever? Like, that's just weird. Yeah. Maybe he was And then the pissing. two 12-year-old boys. Yeah, right. Yeah. On March 24th, 1988, Dahmer met a 22-year-old bisexual man named Richard Guerrero outside a gay bar called The Phoenix. Dahmer lured Guerrero to his grandmother's house with the offer of $50 to simply spend the rest of the night with him. Then he drugged Guerrero with sleeping pills and strangled him with a leather strap. And then Dahmer performed oral sex on the corpse. Oh! Yikes. Guerrero's body was dismembered within 24 hours of his murder, with the remains again disposed of in the trash and the skull again kept before pulverizing it several months later. On April 23rd, Dahmer lured another young man to his grandmother's house. However, after giving the victim a drug coffee, both he and the victim heard Dahmer's grandmother call, quote, Is that you, Jeff? Jeffy, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing down there? (laughs) I like to to think of her with, like, the smoker's voice. She's like, Is that you, Jeff? Are you there? (laughs) You better be alone. Also, what about drugging people with coffee? Like, that's weird. Is that something no, we could come say up? coffee is a drug, Dave. But, like, trying to put them to sleep with coffee? <laughs> it's decaf. It's actually yeah. decaf. Can we put that out, like, the Sleepy Time Dahmer blend or something? Maybe Just Brew will do that for us. <laughs> there you go. The Dahmer blend. No, ca- gonna, no caffeine. Sleeping pills gonna, in there. They're going to drug your coffee and send it to you. <laughs> Jeffy, what are you doing? <laughs> that's a new character, Dahmer's grandma. <laughs> what are you doing out there? You better be alone. 
because of this, Dahmer opted to not kill this particular victim, instead waiting till he became unconscious before taking him to the county general hospital. Wow. I know you're not alone up there. <laughs> Come on, Ma. We're lifting weights down here. Just get him out of my house. <laughs> you and your fucking friends keeping me up. <laughs> Smoking some, like, misty menthol. Oh, yeah, hundreds. for sure, yeah. <laughs> In September 1988, Dahmer's grandmother asked him to move out because of his habit of bringing young men to her house late at night and the foul smells coming from both the basement and the garage. Dahmer found a one-bedroom apartment on North 25th Street and moved into his new residence on September 25th. The following day, he was arrested for drugging and sexually fondling a 13-year-old boy who he had lured to his home on the pretext of posing for nude photographs. The next day! Right. Not even the cool down mm. period in his new neighborhood. So then yeah, it, he was so adamant about like making sure that he said his victims were of age, but then there's these reports now. 13-year-old this yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was after the fact in interviews where he would say, like, I thought that they were of age. Like, yeah. he was really adamant to say that. So it was kind of bullshit then. Seems like Probably. Right. He yeah. probably just didn't want to admit to that. Is it true that he actually moved because he needed more leg room for all the legs of his victims? <laughs> this this guy. <laughs> you know, it's weird, too, with him. And I, I tend to believe that he completely blacked out for the Tommy murder and didn't know that he did that. But when he woke up and realized what he did, that like. He loved it, right? Yeah, that clicked with him because he had such a cool down period from 1978 until the late 80s with nothing. He didn't do anything. So he got away. Yeah, he got away with it once. And it probably scared him. He's like, all right, that's not really me. But then he did it again. He didn't necessarily remember it, but then he got away with it. And you think it flipped a switch in him? Yeah, because he just goes on a on a tear here for the rest of his the rest of the time. I think you're right. In January 1989, Dahmer was convicted of second-degree sexual assault and enticing a child for immoral purposes. Sentencing the assault was suspended until May 1989. On March 20th, Dahmer took a 10-day Easter absence from work, during which he moved back into his grandmother's home. She must have missed him, right? Two months after his conviction and two months prior to his sentencing for the sexual assault, Dahmer murdered his fifth victim. He was a mixed-race 24-year-old aspiring model named Anthony Sears, who met Dahmer at a gay bar on March 25, 1989. According to Dahmer, on this particular occasion, he was not looking to commit a crime. However, shortly before closing time that evening, Sears, quote, just started talking to me. Dahmer lured Sears to his grandmother's home where they engaged in oral sex before Dahmer drugged and strangled him. Talk about the wrong guy to talk to at the end yeah, of the night. seriously, like closing time. You got to pick better than that, Pally. Yeah. The following morning, Dahmer placed the corpse in his grandmother's bathtub, where he decapitated the body before attempting to flay the corpse. He then stripped the flesh from the body and pulverized the bones, which again were disposed of in the trash. According to Dahmer, he found Sears, quote, exceptionally attractive, and Sears was the first victim for whom he permanently kept any body parts. He preserved Sears' head and genitalia in acetone and stored them in his work locker. When he moved to a new address the following year, he took the remains there. So there's a jar with a head and a penis in it. 
and acetone at a chocolate factory. <laughs> right. Okay. And I mean, it's that's so bold that, like, what if anybody opened that lock? Anybody, sure. Or you get fired, and they're like, "Yeah, we're not letting you in anymore." And then we're we're going to clean out your locker for you. Anything fucks the health inspector on that one. <laughs> Jesus, just trying to eat my Kit Kat bars, skull and penis free. <laughs> and the thing about him finding Sears attract, like, really attractive, that that's a thing that he talked about later on after he was arrested. That he only killed the ones that he thought were the most attractive and that the police officer, I don't know if it was in that documentary I told you guys about, but that Patrick Kennedy in one interview I watched with him, like he said, he was like, I would be in Milwaukee and I know I see some guys that slept with Dahmer from these gay bars, you know, that he, that he hooked up with, Wow! but he only killed the ones that he thought were the most, I think his, his exact quote was the ones that were the most beautiful. That's crazy. Mm. So the ugly guys, they got away with it. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. On May 23rd, 1989, Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the house of corrections with work release permitted in order that he be able to keep his job. He was also required to register as a sex offender. What was this for? The 13-year-old? Yeah, for drugging and sexually yeah. fondling a 13-year-old. That seems pretty light. Eh, eh, go away for a year. He'll be all right. Two months before his scheduled release from the work camp, Dimer was paroled from this regimen, and his five years probation imposed in 1989 began at this point. Mm. So he's out then. Yeah, yeah, they just let him out. Mm. So from the House of Correction back to post-mortem erections. <laughs> this right. is a poem by Dave Namapod. <laughs> On release, Dahmer temporarily moved back into his grandmother's home before, in May 1999, moving to the Oxford Apartments located on North 25th Street in Milwaukee. Although located in a high-crime area, the apartment was close to his workplace, fully furnished, and at $300 per month, inclusive of all bills excluding electricity it made sense what a steal right 300 bucks yeah i mean 1990 all right and in a you know not so great neighborhood so i think my wife and i our first apartment in a not so great neighborhood in cleveland about that you know 250 bucks around that time yeah a couple years later all right i'm the same that's where i was born too like right in around there right uh, Slavic was, Village in uh, oh, the Cleveland neighborhood of Sla- on the east side of Cleveland. You lived over at uh, 117th and Lorraine, though, too. We lived all over the place, yeah. sure. Well-traveled. Well-traveled. And, I, you know, I know interviews with the, the lady that lived across the hall from him. She'd, you know, be like, hey, Jeff, you're the only white guy that lives in this neighborhood. Like, what are you doing here? And, you know, he said the thing about work, and it was close, and, and he could save money. But I almost think part of it was his... You know, it was a good hunting ground for him because he was really attracted to black guys. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, okay. the majority of his victims were were black guys, and he—that's who he had a thing for. And look, let's be let let's be honest. I mean, the police are you know a victim in a a, a lower income black neighborhood. Is it going to be? They're going to be less likely to investigate than they are in a upscale. It's not going to be a John Benet Ramsey situation. It's not. That's that's just how things work. No, and we'll we'll definitely see that in part two with one of Dahmer's victims. How how people in this neighborhood are treated. Yeah, I mean, 
It's not uncommon. So on May 14th, 1990, when Dahmer moved out of his grandmother's house and into apartment 213, he took Sears's mummified head and genitals with him. Within one week of moving into his new apartment, Dahmer had killed his sixth victim, Raymond Smith. Smith was a 32-year-old male prostitute whom Dahmer lured to apartment 213 with the promise of $50 for sex. Inside the apartment, he gave Smith a drink laced with seven sleeping pills and manually strangled him. How do you get these sleeping pills? Is that hard to get? That's a good question. Because I never sleep. I would love to have some sleeping pills. I don't know. Did they sell something over the counter at that time (laughs) that you could just put a fuck ton of them in in a drink? The ambience freaked me out. I don't want to take ambience. No, I was prescribed that actually, and I read horror stories about it. So I was like, nope. And I'm already like prone to sleepwalking and that. So I, I'm afraid to take Ambien. But start fucking killing people in your sleep. I don't really haven't been. I don't sleep well anymore. It's probably because of this fucking podcast talking all this bullshit. (laughs) If I terrify my by the time I get home, I forget everything we ever talk about. Well, yeah, yeah. naturally. The following day, Dahmer Dahmer purchased a Polaroid camera with which he took several pictures of Smith's body in suggestive positions before dismembering him in the bathroom. He boiled the legs, arms, and pelvis in a steel kettle with Soilex, which allowed him to rinse the bones in the sink. Dahmer dissolved the remainder of Smith's skeleton, excluding the skull, in a container filled with acid. He later spray-painted Smith's skull and placed the skull on a black towel inside a metal filing cabinet. Jesus Christ, this guy. Man, the Polaroids that this guy took are pretty disturbing. Awful. Yeah, what was it? I think, um, I mean, we're going to talk about it in part two, but I think it was like 80 Polaroids altogether that they found. Yeah, some of these are just, just horrific, man. There's only five or six online, and those are terrible, so I can't even imagine what the rest looked like. Yeah. Mm. Approximately one week after the murder of Smith, on about May 27th, Dahmer lured another young man to his apartment. On this occasion, however, Dahmer himself accidentally consumed the drink laced with sedatives intended for his next victim. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Jack- <laughs> jackass. <laughs> Risk of the game, I guess, right? Oh, no, seriously. Yeah. Come on, Pally. You're a player. You got to take the risk. (laughs) That's pretty funny, though. When he woke up the following day, he discovered his intended victim had stolen several items of his clothing, $300, and a watch. (laughs) He got off easy compared to what he was doing to people. Someone out there is like, well, I got that motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's great. Dahmer never reported this incident to the police, although on May 29th, he told his probation officer that he had been robbed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't go reporting that to the police. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's probably out there today. He's like, yeah, I got that fucking Jeffrey Dahmer right. motherfucker. But probably no one believes, like, oh, <laughs> right. this is his They're watch. Like, yeah, They're get like, the fuck yeah, out of here. Yeah, this is Dahmer's watch. I like, took no, motherfucker, bucks this is his watch. <laughs> In June of 1990, Dahmer lured a 27-year-old acquaintance named Edward Smith to his apartment. He did the same routine, drugged and strangled Smith. On this occasion, rather than immediately acidifying the skeleton or repeating the previous process of bleaching, which had made the, the previous skulls too brittle, Dahmer placed Smith's skeleton in his freezer for several months in hopes that it would not retain moisture. Freezing the skeleton did not remove the moisture, and the skeleton of his victim 
would be acidified several months later. Dahmer accidentally destroyed the skull when he placed it in the oven to dry, oh. a process that caused the skull to explode. Oh, my God. Jesus. Dahmer himself was to later inform police that he had, quote, felt rotten about Smith's murder as he had been unable to retain any parts of his body. I mean, can you imagine being in this fucking apartment, the horror scene in here? Or like being his neighbor who oh. was in there all the time, like oh drinking beers, God. having sandwiches, not knowing the hell that was around you. Mm. And that's the thing, too, that he, when he said, I feel, quote, rotten about it, it's because he thought these he only killed the ones that were mm-hmm. that he found the most attractive that he wanted to keep and this didn't this didn't work for him because he didn't get to keep anything god damn and he's not a looker i mean it's not a really attractive guy right Dahmer? yeah nah he's kind of goofy with his glasses i mean he's kind of you he's know he's dorky a, he's, he's dorky, dorky. Yeah. he's a big guy he's, dorky he's tall he's a big guy but yeah he's kind of dorky looking the famous picture of him with the blue dress shirt, the blue striped dress shirt with his glasses off, he looks he looks pretty handsome in that, I guess. Yeah. Fascinating story about that in that documentary, Ian, the Dahmer Files. About that oh, outfit. yeah. Yeah. We'll save yeah, that for Patrick next Kennedy. week. We'll save that for next. That's a little teaser about that <laughs> outfit. <laughs> Less than three months after the murder of Smith, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old Chicago native named Ernest Miller on the corner of North 27th Street. Miller agreed to go with Dahmer to his apartment for $50 and further agreed to allow, to allow him to listen to his heart and stomach. When Dahmer attempted to p- perform oral sex on Miller, he was informed, quote, that'll cost you extra, whereupon Dahmer gave, him, gave his intended victim a drink laced with two sleeping pills. She can get 50 bucks for having him listen to your heart and stomach? Uh, no, I would not be in that situation, but... <laughs> huh. It's good money if you can get it, right? Yeah, and I guess, and we're talking, you know, <laughs> I don't know. We're talking in, you know, impoverished communities here I where, know. you know, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, back then, 50 bucks to listen to your heart and stomach? Okay. Yeah. You'd be like, all right, well, I'm not, I don't have to, uh, this guy doesn't want me to, you know, do any oral sex or anything else. You just right, want to listen to my heart. Go bucks, for it, pal. Yeah. Right. On this occasion, Dahmer only had two sleeping pills to give his victim. Therefore, he killed Miller by slashing his carotid artery with the same knife he used to dissect his victim's bodies, and Miller bled to death within minutes. Mm. Dahmer then posed the nude body for various Polaroid photographs before placing the body in his bathtub for dismemberment. Dahmer repeatedly kissed and talked to the severed head while he dismembered <laughs> the remainder of the body. Holy cow. Like, do you know how much like, funeral homes freak you out and stuff? Now you're talking about kissing the severed head of this dead body. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine that. No. That's just odd. <laughs> I've been to two funerals in my life where they had an open casket, and it's absolutely terrible. I couldn't imagine being... Like I in both of those, I didn't want to go up to the casket at all. I, I mean, I'm I've, kind of sad that I know you because I feel like you're due for a few funerals. Yeah, I've been. A lot, I don't want to be on that list, Pally. I've been to lots <laughs> of uh, open casket funerals. Oh, I've been to just, dozens and dozens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But just the thought of and it, and uh, Ian's right. It's terrifying. It's creepy. It's, it's horrific. Because the bodies don't look like they look like when they're alive. Most like, of the time, they're they all done up. They don't, you know. Yeah. So I can't even imagine when, like, when you know, when it's a dead body and it gets cold and you know looks a little off and there's no blood, like kissing pumping. it, Mm-mm. like holding someone's hand and saying goodbye is bad enough, but kissing 
I mean, in, in this way, I guess. Right, you know. and and then you're getting aroused by. Yeah, all not this. like you're kissing your grandma real, well, sure, peck real not, quick to right. say goodbye. But this in this scenario, it's just horrific. And even when you look at crime scene photos of somebody, they always look off. You know what I mean? Sure. Like they never, sure. even if their head's not damaged or their face isn't damaged, they still there's something that looks off about somebody when they're dead. So. And now he's ramping this up to where he's dissecting this guy, and there's just blood everywhere, and he's kissing the head. It's fucking crazy. Is this the the Polaroid series that's out there? No, this one isn't. All right, it's the one that is. It's, it's terrifying. <laughs> the way that he has that victim's body, dead body, bent backwards, uh, with like his head it, touching his feet, is like it's, it's something, something out of a horror movie. Absolutely, it's terrifying. Dahmer wrapped Miller's heart, biceps, and portions of flesh from his legs in a plastic in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge to eat later. He boiled the remaining flesh and organs into a quote jelly-like substance using Soilex, which again enabled him to rinse the flesh off the skeleton, which he intended to keep. To preserve the skeleton, Dahmer placed the bones in a light bleach solution for 24 hours before allowing them to dry on a cloth for one week. The severed head was initially placed in the refrigerator before also stripping, before also being stripped of flesh, then painted and coated with enamel. Can you imagine living in this apartment for this week? Fuck you guys. No. Holy shit. You know what Dahmer's <laughs> favorite candy is, was? What's that? Mentos. Mentos. <laughs> 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 just saying and that's the other thing too about the way he was killing these guys in in the apartment you know this guy he's he cut his throat but the other guys he was strangling when you strangle someone they completely let go of all bodily functions mm-hmm. so i mean you got dead bodies and then their bowels release and everything that i mean that apartment had to smell oh, terrible god sweet jesus but people were in it Maybe right, he, like I mean, he had a lot of Bath that, and Body Work plugins. I guess so. Like, and you know, <laughs> who knows? It wasn't the best neighborhood. Maybe just you know, there was odors maybe all around. It wasn't the most cleanly of buildings. Are you trying I mean, to say poor lights. people aren't clean, Mike? I don't, I don't know what you're getting at here. I'm saying I've been in a lot of those buildings, and they don't always have the best odors. There's yeah. not exactly like a cleaning crew that comes in at night and cleans up the hallways and such. Yeah, well, the Soilex is like a industrial grade cleaner, but I still don't think it would cover up all those smells. Right. Three weeks after the murder of Miller on September 24th, Dahmer encountered a 22 year old man named David Thomas at the grand Avenue mall and persuaded him to return to his apartment for a few drinks. Also with the promise of money, if Thomas would pose for photographs in his statement to police after his arrest, Dahmer stated that after giving Thomas a drink laced with sedatives, he did not feel attracted to him, but was afraid to allow him to wake up in case he would be angry over having been drugged. Therefore, he strangled him and dismembered the body, intentionally keeping no body parts whatsoever, but he did photograph the dismemberment process and kept those <laughs> photographs. Yikes. This guy's not hot enough for Dahmer. Can you imagine? Yeah. Come on. This fucking nerd. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did you say this fucking nerd? Yeah. <laughs> He's being all judgy. Following the murder of Thomas, Dahmer did not kill anyone for almost five months. 
although on a minimum of five occasions between October 1990 and February 1991, he unsuccessfully attempted to lure men to his apartment. Oh, such amazing restraint. Am I right? <laughs> right. I haven't killed anyone in all of 2020 yet. I'm doing pretty good. I'm showing the pretty, same amount of restraint. Pretty, yeah. pretty good. <laughs> He's also known to have regularly complained of feelings of both anxiety and depression to his probation officer throughout 1990. With frequent, with frequent references to his sexuality, his solitary lifestyle, and his financial difficulties. On several occasions, Dahmer is also known to have referred to having suicidal thoughts. Mm. In February 1991, Dahmer observed, observed a 17-year-old named Curtis Strader. Curtis standing at a bus stop near Marquette University. According to Dahmer, he lured Strader into his apartment with an offer of money for posing for nude photos with the added incentive of sexual intercourse. Dahmer drugged and strangled Strader with a leather strap, then dismembered him, with Dahmer keeping his skull, hands, and genitals and photographing each stage of the dismemberment uh, process. Jesus. So after we've like we laid out all these these first murders, I mean Dahmer is like he's a textbook example of a product killer. Like it wasn't the killing that gave him enjoyment or making people suffer. He just wanted to have that end result, that body to do whatever he wanted with. He's on record numerous times talking about how he hated killing and would have to get pretty close to blackout drunk to go through with it. I have to get blackout drunk to do this fucking podcast. Psychopath. <laughs> you and me both. God damn. I've never done a Stone Cold Sober episode at least well. <laughs> <laughs> After the murder of Curtis Strader, Dahmer started thinking of ideas how to keep a person with him that would be completely still, yet still alive. Using the chemistry knowledge that his father taught him, Dahmer would experiment with crude attempts at making a zombified person. And that is where we will pick back up on part two. Ugh. Dun, dun, dun. Crude indeed. So no cannibalism up to this point, right? That's a bonus no. in part two, right? Yeah, he that's saved. That's what you want to call it, Dave. That's the that's a perk of coming back next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Get your cannibal fix. <laughs> if you didn't get enough, and it's a Sagawa available oh in the archives. God. So far, he's only kept some body parts to eat with the plan of eating them later. Oh, man. So he didn't intend to eat them later. Oh, yeah, 100%. All right, we got anything else to close out, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer Part 1, Ian? Anything else you want to get no. off your chest about this this uh, intro to the story? No, that's it. I guess if you haven't seen the Polaroids and you can stomach stuff like that, go check them out because that one pose, <laughs> that guy bent backwards is it's terrifying. It is terrifying. That, that picture sticks with me, man. That is such a creepy picture. Take your guys' word for it on that one. Yeah, I don't know what what was going on in that pose, but it's uh, it's pretty horrific. Oh, did you scroll past him when I text him? Because I, I only Dave. I only saw your like like the little like uh, notification <laughs> things, and I looked at the notification. You know, they're like a little tiny thing on your phone when the notification pops up. And I was just like, nope, we're not posting that. Nope, we're not posting that. Nope, we're not posting that. And then I waited until you guys texted a bunch more so it was off my screen before I even opened the text. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that after I sent them because 
Dave said, go ahead and send them over. And then I'm like, well, Mike never replied. So yeah, no, I he might, done, he I might not want to see this, but oh, well, I'll be honest. Sent. I thought you were just going to send like a link that I could have avoided. I you're going to send the actual photos in your face, motherfucker. But then I was like, eh, it's not, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I just don't have to like study no, them. They're, ter- they're, they're terrible. I made the mistake of looking up the OJ Simpson crime scene photos. And I just realized that, you know what? I just don't need to see any of that stuff. It's not, I mean, it just, just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I don't like to see it personally. If people like it, that's that's good to them. You know, it helps put the story in perspective have, of how disgusting it is. I have mixed thoughts on whether those should be in the public. I think someone leaked these because there's a bunch more that aren't available, right? Seems like I there's believe a ton. so. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure these like, were leaked because there's yeah. only like five or six of yeah. like eighty. Like out if there. that, you know, this isn't someone's family, and when cops leak these fucking pictures, it's disgusting. Like. I get public information and all that, but these should not be available in the public domain. None of this stuff. Yeah, I I, see, I definitely see the family argument. Like those John Bonet pictures and all the stuff we've ever talked about. Like it's just yeah. it should not be available. Well, yeah, someone terrible. should not be available to Google someone in your family and see these pictures. It's, I agree. This is not right. The only reason that I actively go out and look at them is because when I'm doing outlines, I like to. I guess put it in more perspective of what I'm typing about. Yeah, I I get it. I I understand that angle. I just they shouldn't. I don't think they should ever be disseminated like that. Yeah, I don't disagree. Well, anyways, now that we went down that dark path, <laughs> Fuck, Dave, Dave man. do you have anything to add to part one of Jeffrey Dahmer? I don't. Okay, that's all I got. All right, I got a few shout outs here for Patreon. I like shout outs. Thank you to new subscribers, Angela Mayo, Abby Peterson, Tash Jordan, Stacy Becker, Marina Turner, Matt McCarthy, Victoria, Chris Marshall, Michelle Utley, Nikki Rays, Neil, and Lindsay Cole. We appreciate you guys very much. We are at necronomapod.com or patreon.com slash necronomapod. Ian, what shout outs you got? For iTunes, I have one for True Cadet. 1980, Janelle, Lynn's Cole. Oh, that's it. Hold on. That Lynn's Cole Lynn- has been all over the place on uh, iTunes and on Patreon. Thanks, Lindsay. Goddamn. Yeah. And you had one more? No, that's all I got. I thought I had one more. That was it. All right. Dave, you got some special shout outs today. I do. I have uh, some special shout outs to service members serving overseas. First Sergeant Brian Weber, First Sergeant Matt Club. And Chief Warrant Officer 2, Robert Appel. These guys are overseas. I hear uh, one of their friends informed us they were big fans of the show. So we just want to give them a special shout out. And thank you for your service, guys. Hope you're safe and well overseas. And thanks so much for listening. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Again, like Dave said, thanks for your service. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoy it. I thought it was a great great show. I don't know. (laughs) Of course. That is probably the most mind-blowing thing to me so far with this podcast is when we've gotten messages about military guys overseas that listen to the show. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's a wild one. Like, you know, those guys are over there doing things I've never fucking done in my entire life and couldn't imagine doing, doing and, important uh, shit while yeah. we're yeah. sitting here drinking beers. We're <laughs> drunk, <laughs> a bunch of pussies who would never be fit for military <laughs> right. service. But guys, we, we thank you so much. Talking about just all this. Fantastic. You guys are real men, and we are not. So yeah. we, uh, hey, if we, we can, salute you. If we could entertain them for a small portion of their week, Absol- the absolutely. absolutely least we could do. Of course.
So. I, I also have a shout out for uh, our friends in Close the Hatch. They sent the CDs yes. of their latest album, Modern Witchcraft, which I've been listening to all week. Fantastic. Yeah. You're a fan of kind of Sludge Doom. Uh, is that how you categorize it, Ian? Sludge, sludge Doom? That's how I yeah. categorize those guys, right? Yeah, I would say so. It's good stuff. Some good heavy Sludge Doom type metal stuff. Close the Hatch on Spotify. Modern Witchcraft. Yeah, those guys are awesome. Really, they sent us really good. They sent us some of their stuff, and then they they've gotten us a few listeners throughout the years, including our good friend Barry from Australia. Those guys are great. Shout yeah. out to Barry yeah. also. Thank Down, you very uh, much. Where are those guys? Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, yeah. Ohio. We were gonna go check them out in, uh, in and we they were, were doing a show in Columbus in April. We were gonna go drive down there, but uh, COVID hit. We've been quarantined ever since. So fucking thanks, pandemic. Yeah, if the world ever comes back to normal, we will definitely go see those guys because. It'd be a good time. Good tunes. When Necronomapod meets Close the Hatch. Fuck yeah. We will burn Columbus to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) We will have a fucking time. Fucking heavy duty jamming. (laughs) All right. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Necronomapod, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Amazon.com, search Necronomapod. We are the Amazon is the only place to get our merch. And then also when you're on there, be careful because there's been some shifty ass motherfuckers on there trying to uh sell our gear as well. So honest to God, the, the fucking pirates out there. It's hard to keep up it's with. Crazy. We're we're gonna get them shut down. But Amazon.com is the only place you can get our official merch. Um we are gonna be loading up some new uh New logos and designs here as we get going uh, in the next, you know, hopefully few weeks. Got those stickers on the website still. $7.04. July 4th uh, special. That we kept going for never, Never changed the price. So mm-hmm. have at it, motherfuckers. Hey, that's Liberty. America. Um, that's at Necronomapod.com. We got some stickers. So check those out as well. Uh, as always, we appreciate 100 fucking episodes. Who'd have thought? Goddamn. Not I, because I would never have made that bet for 500 episodes to get a fucking tattoo. <laughs> Mike wouldn't have bet 10 episodes. Let's be honest. Maybe 10. I don't. I would. I don't know if I would have put a number on it. I just would have thought like nobody would have listened, and then it would have just like fizzled out, and that would have been it. Who knew? Little did I know that like in the next week we're going to hit one million downloads. A million downloads. Yeah. Probably when this episode drops, it'll be a million downloads. Might I mean, be we're before. that close to the line. It's crazy. Yeah. Ian, a million downloads. What do you think? We want platinum. Yeah. We want platinum. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. I want my fucking platinum record to put on my wall. Thanks, Mr. Muggs <laughs> and Art Bell <laughs> and Barney Hill. All right. Yeah. He, Go ahead. Huge thank you to everybody that listens every week. Did not expect that. That tiny little uh, pipe dream that Ian had one day blew up to 100 episodes. I'm glad he involved us in his pipe dream. Our last episode will be episode 499, and then we'll retire on top. top. Mike needs to be buried clean with no ink in his whole body. I want to be in the good part of the cemetery. (laughs) No one gets out of here alive, man. doesn't matter. We'll come up with something badass. All right. We'll see you guys next week. (laughs) That was your your cue, Ian. (laughs) Oh, Oh, shit. All right. Before I do my sign off, uh, one quick last shout out to Alex for that awesome new shirt design. I'm super hyped on that design. Yeah. I love it. People seem really excited about it. Hopefully that sells. It just went up on uh, Amazon today. Check it out. It's really badass. And thank you, Alex, for that, uh, for sending that to us. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>